Millions of people pass through galleries every year. Some people breeze through, whilst others stop and stare for long periods of time. That's the beautiful thing about museums and galleries. You can take what you want from them. You can be inspired, you can relax, socialise, or even change your life. Something was happening with this portrait and I realised that in this sea of chaos, I was actually looking at that painting almost like as an anchor. Art can speak to you in unexpected ways, but can artists create an intentional moment that improves mental well-being for the viewer? The art can be a kind of um, catalyst for us to rethink um, our lives, rethink our mental health and our well-being. This is the National Museum's Liverpool podcast. I'm content producer Ellie Field, and we, alongside our partners Melodic Distraction Radio, will thread together stories from our collections with experiences of people in Liverpool today, exploring connections between past and present. For art consultant Angela Samata, she found herself using the Lady Lever Art Gallery as a space to help her heal. Angela had started working at the gallery in 2003 with the aims of getting herself into the exhibitions team. Within three weeks of working there, something happened that would turn her world upside down. She was thrown into a situation that no one could prepare for. I took a job in the shop in, in um, October 2003. The same month, uh, I didn't know, but the best time in my life was very rapidly to turn into the worst time in my life. And within three weeks of me starting work at the Lady Lever, um, my partner and the father of my two children, who were then um, three and 13, very, very unexpectedly um, ended his life. And it was something that turned everything upside down. So I had a lot of choices to make. I had become a, a single parent and a widow overnight. I was 32 years old. And I had some choices to make. And one of the choices I had to make was, uh, did I carry on working? You know, I've been in my job for three weeks at that point and, um, and I already loved it. So actually I did carry on. And it was during that time that I realised that going to work was becoming kind of um, cathartic. The Lady Lever Art Gallery is a grand bow art style building that sits in the middle of the picturesque area of Port Sunlight, a place that looks like it's come right out of a movie. As you enter through the large wooden doors, you are greeted by the beautiful domed skylight, making your way through to the grand main hall decorated with Victorian paintings and furniture. The space emits its own unique sound of echoed footsteps as you wander between paintings. It was on one of Angela's usual walks around this space that she found herself drawn to a particular artwork I was um, working at the Lady Lever Art Gallery and it was such a, a beautiful place to work. Um, it meant that every day I was walking through the galleries and I would see particular sculptures, paintings, objects that just really kind of stayed with me. And the one that stayed with me the longest was the um, Jeunesse Dorée a portrait by um, Gerard um, Brockhurst. 
And it was a painting that I would often pass. And then I realized that I was actually taking roots to make sure I did pass it. Um, so it was definitely a painting that kind of, yeah, de definitely stuck with me from the first time I saw it, actually. The painting is of Kathleen Woodward. It's roughly 76 by 63 centimetres in size. Just her head and torso are in frame, and she stares directly out at the viewer with crystal blue eyes. What's so striking about the portrait is how modern this woman looks, and the power she seems to hold. She wears a grey button-up top with knitted shoulders that slightly expose the skin. Her dark brown hair is cropped just above her shoulders and slightly wavy. She has very thin eyebrows, and her makeup is subtle, yet noticeable, as her lips are a pinkish shade of red. When I first visited the Lady Lever Art Gallery, I was also spellbound by this powerful portrait, and it quickly became my favourite from the collection. But what is it about this painting that actually helped Angela get through such a turbulent time? It's funny, you know, when, when something happens in your life that is so enormous and, you know, bereavement for me was totally unexpected, you know, I can't begin to tell you how unexpected it was. Um, your life, your children's lives, the, the lives of your friends and family around you become chaotic and you feel as if you have no control over what's happening from minute to minute, day to day. I didn't know that this was going to happen. So you think you're going down one path in your life, you have this job in an art gallery, but then things changed literally overnight so for me the, the anchor that was offered by this painting was very much again just that touchstone that moment of connection if you like with a painting that wasn't asking anything of me was not asking me for answers answers that I didn't even know myself but was just kind of there and because she's looking directly at you from the canvas there is something about that connection with another young woman and I had no idea what was happening in her life at the time. I knew definitely what was happening in mine. And she was 21 when the painting of her, this portrait was was um, created. And I was 32 at the time. And I just think there was something about two women kind of looking at each other, kind of not really knowing what was going on in each other's lives that just created a, a connection. The more Angela visited this painting, the more this woman came to life. She wasn't just some paint on a canvas, a mere subject of the artist who painted her. She was a friend, an equal, and perhaps even a mirror. When, when you look at the portrait, when you look at um, Jeunesse Doré, you will see this very, very strong-looking woman. She's got a very precise kind of... Um, you know, her clothes are very precise. Her look is very precise. Her hair is very precise. And she looks like a young woman who is definitely 100% in control of her life at that point. Um, and sometimes this woman, me, I was standing in front of her, definitely not in control, not feeling strong. And and so sometimes I would stand in front of her and think, okay, you get this. <laughs> you know, today I feel strong. Today I feel like you look, okay, I can, I can do this. And other days something had taken me left field and I'd stand in front of that painting and I'd feel really judged. <laughs> you know, it'd be kind of almost like she was saying, you know, you need to crack on, you know, you need to 
pull your socks up and get on with this. And so it was really funny how there was like this kind of internal dialogue going on um, that was almost like on the days that I needed encouragement, I'd get encouragement from this painting on days that I uh, kind of were, I was feeling okay with the world. You know, I'd feel that I was meeting my equal, you know? So it was really funny that uh, my relationship with this painting kind of changed over time. And if anybody had said to me before this time that you could have such a, uh, almost an intimate relationship with, with a work, uh, that was painted almost a hundred years before I was standing in front of it, I probably would have laughed, but actually it was something that, um, was incredibly moving for me and kind of gave me what I needed. Sometimes that was reassurance. Sometimes it was definitely a, you need to crack on with this. Although few of us have been through the devastating circumstances Angela has, we can perhaps relate to the power of paintings in times of emotional turmoil. As someone who has had a generalised anxiety disorder since I was a teenager, I have frequently gone to museums and galleries to help keep me centred and grounded. Sometimes all I needed was a quiet space to walk around and artworks to keep me distracted. Other times, I went to look for something to make me feel empowered and motivated. I've even found myself particularly shocked by coming across an artist I was not expecting that I'm very familiar with. The feeling is similar to bumping into an old friend on the street. Jeunesse Ray became that for Angela, an old friend she could rely on to always be there. When Angela left the Lady Lever Art Gallery, she would no longer be able to see that familiar friend on a daily basis. So she found a way to keep her closer to home. After I left the Lady Lever, um, I knew that I wouldn't see uh, the painting. I wouldn't see Kathleen Woodward. I wouldn't see her every day. Uh, so I did what any respectable uh, person who <laughs> who uh, is going to a gallery to see a particular work would do and I bought a print and uh, I, uh, I now have her at home and uh, it's funny because you know that was 18 years ago now and it's still a painting still a portrait that I return to and now I'm a different person and I hope that I've grown um, since that uh, experience in 2003 and I hope I've used my lived experience in a good way to benefit people and uh, I still look at her as my my anchor in turbulent seas and um, I'm sure I'm not the only one. When Gerald Brockhurst painted this portrait of Kathleen Woodward, his intention was not to provide support for someone going through a traumatic experience, yet it still served as a support to Angela. So, what if a gallery space is created with the intention to affect mental well-being? Nina Franklin, a host from Melodic Distraction Radio, takes a look into a particularly unusual artwork that the Walker Art Gallery acquired in 2021. When you walk around an art gallery, what do you see? Stern white walls? Unchanging harsh lighting? Perhaps the artworks are cordoned off by a barrier, keeping you at arm's length and forbidding you from touching them. But what if you were encouraged to interact with an artwork? How do you think that would make you feel? In 2020, just after the first lockdown, local artist Francis Disley's solo exhibition at the Blue Coat was entirely predicated on creating an immersive environment. Touch and movement in the space were encouraged. Francis's artworks came to life when they were activated by an audience member. Hollow Program 155 
one of the artworks featured in Francis's Blue Coat exhibition was acquired by the Walker Art Gallery in 2021. It's a beautiful lemon yellow and orange quilt. Or rather, half of it is. The other half of the piece is an accompanying 20-minute audio piece, a sonic activation. Welcome. I've selected a programme for you that's designed to distract you for a short while and allow you to spend a bit of time in the space guided by our computer's voice. Computer, activate programme 155. Activating programme 155. Runtime approximately 20 minutes. Let's begin by taking a moment to make yourself comfortable within the space. The activation and the quilt work together to create the whole piece. The quilt is large and circular. The vibrant yellow is surprisingly soothing as it's mixed with sections of orange that bleed across the surface. On top of these colours are winding green paint strokes that almost look like vines crawling up a wall. The idea is that the quilt can be displayed as a wall hanging, but it can also be lifted down off display and put on the floor as a place for visitors to come together and listen to the activation. The activation is what brings together the artwork as a whole piece. The idea of art, and especially guided visualisations, being something that might be able to be a communal distraction or an escape for a moment, was something that really resonated with me. Especially as throughout the lockdowns, I, like many others, found a lot of solace in live-streamed group meditation classes before leading one myself in May 2020. Something about being able to share an experience with others in real time was deeply comforting. It's not often that art explicitly sets out to soothe us, but Frances is quite unusual in this respect. Drawing on her own experiences, her art and artistic practices serve as a balm and care practice. In 2019, Frances hit a turbulence that echoed through her life. With her outlook suddenly thrown into disarray, she had to find a new way through. Hi, I'm Frances Disley. I'm a visual artist based in Liverpool. I suffered a period of like severe anxiety in 2019, which there was a kind of catalyst. Um, but it gave me, it definitely gave me insight into how that feels and like the real things that were useful, like distraction. So <laughs> all you need sometimes is a little bit of relief and distraction. I was kind of ruminating constantly around how to, how, how things could get better and how to fix it. <laughs> and actually that was the, I think that was actually problematic and that was the wormhole. Also, I know that if, if I could get distracted, that was the relief point where I was just not thinking about thinking about thinking about thinking for a moment. So I think that I think that probably shifted my work in terms of um, empathy, understanding and expectation. It's not just that Frances tries to make something that is simply nice, but she actively studies and unpacks how to adapt the exhibition environment into a welcoming, mental health positive space. During a collaboration with psychologists at Salford University, she found that softening lighting, displaying pictures of plants, and providing multiple levels for rest and repose all decrease cortisol levels, the stress hormone. A really important thing for me with this show was trying to change the relationship between the public and these free public 
publicly funded spaces so that they felt more comfortable and at ease like and trying to address all the ambient factors that take place in gallery spaces things like making accessible seating that was like higher up and um making these kind of rest spaces and trying to make the whole place so it feels like it's a, a place that you'd actually want to hang out for me all these different layers or levels of of interaction and access but like it's core it should be like a nice just a nice place to be taking this on into her work she tries to make environments that she told me try to softly draw her audience and work together into incidental positive encounters having heard angela samata's story about the jeunesse dorée this holds particular poignancy part of what i can enable (laughs) is like a safe meeting place and the room and the kind of like the reason, you know, like I think gentleness and tenderness, I think is is really a good ambition to kind of embed in stuff. It's this connection between the space, the art and the theme that interested me in the way that fine art curator Charlotte Keenan decided to display the work in the Walker Art Gallery. Much like an editor transforms a book for publication, or a talent booker is a crucial part of changing a muddy field into a festival, a curator's influence on an exhibition changes so much of how we experience the artworks we know and love. I fundamentally believe that art has the power to help us see the world differently. And often we think about that as being a chance to see things through somebody else's eyes, so the eyes of the artist. And that can help us to understand different experiences, um, particularly around sort of prejudice, discrimination, equality, diversity. So I think the same is also true of thinking about well-being and mental health, that art can be a kind of catalyst for us to rethink our lives, rethink our mental health and our well-being. I find the work to be a really interesting commentary on sort of well-being and the sort of current conversation around well-being and mental health. And it is knowing in in what it does, in that it uses that language, but is perhaps asking us to kind of reflect on the social media kind of conversation that happens around well-being and mental health and the distinction between the two, I think, arguably as well. And I think that the work provides an opportunity to think about our well-being and it doesn't necessarily have to subscribe to the traditional kind of ideas around guided visualisation to do it, but it brings that conversation into the art gallery and fulfills the role that art can have in being a catalyst for conversations around these things. Charlotte's approach and choice as a curator to deliberately welcome in pieces that discuss and query mental health and wellbeing practices is so interesting. It's a welcome move away from traditional didactic gallery practices. It makes it more of an open conversation between audience, artists and space, an exciting and new arena. As a curator, I can't anticipate what you're going to see in an artwork any more than you can anticipate what I'm going to see in it. So I always hope that at The Walker we create a a safe environment and a safe space where people can come in and they can use the collections in the way that they need to. I see myself as a facilitator between the collection and our audiences, a kind of link perhaps I hope between them I think though the work and the acquisition is part of a bigger conversation that's been happening for you know a number of years now about the sort of purpose of art galleries museums and institutions they are fundamentally public spaces they were built often by the Victorians as a sort of a place for recreation a place for people to go and I think 
although it wasn't necessarily conceived of in the sort of terms that we would use today around well-being and self-care, it was done with the same purpose as being a place where people could go and enjoy themselves and have a break from work and from everyday life. In some ways, what we're doing now is a continuation of that. We're, you know, a public space for people to recreate. But I think also we're talking a lot at the moment about what the purpose of art galleries is in the 21st century. And that's something that Fran is really interested in is, is there more that art galleries can do for the people that they're there for in society? And her work sort of poses that question by using that language of well-being and self-care. She's sort of posting that question back to us as institutions of, of can we do something. She specifically, I think, is also thinking about the current moment, about funding for mental health services and public services. They're really lacking. Art galleries are kind of one of the few spaces that people can access for free most of the time. It's an invitation for us to step up and think about what more we can do for our societies, I think, our communities. Charlotte and Francis's work as curator and artist is part of a growing discussion about mental well-being and self-care in the face of an increasingly anxious and testing social climate. There's plenty of quotes out there from artists ruminating on the meaning of art, but one in particular has always struck a chord with me. Pablo Picasso said that art washes away from the soul the dust of everyday life. There's definitely something to it, thinking that something beautiful can alleviate the crud of existence. Everyday reality isn't always easy to navigate, and finding our path in today's world can be a toughie. But here's something interesting. In the past couple of years, doctors have been testing out prescribing museum and gallery visits to patients undergoing stress. Most recently, doctors in Brussels have been prescribing these visits to COVID-19 patients who've struggled with their mental health. In light of this, Francis and Charlotte's artistic vision to make galleries into spaces that can be healing begins to make more and more sense. In fact, far from being far-fetched, it's becoming more accepted that art can be a public good and play an important role for us all in years to come. I think what we can take away from these two stories is that whether or not the artist intended to, art can have an effect on our emotional well-being. They sit on either side of a coin. Angela as the viewer, turning an artwork into a source of emotional stability. And Francis, the artist, intentionally trying to positively affect the emotions of the viewer. So, next time you're feeling stressed, anxious, or going through something particularly difficult, perhaps consider a visit to your local museum or gallery. It might just give you that little bit of emotional relief you needed. Thank you for listening to the National Museum's Liverpool podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe for more stories across our very collections, from Liverpool film and Rebels in Music to Heroes on the Mersey and even Space Exploration. You can find all of our episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts.